paying your tithe is just a fear-mongering legalistic tactic to put a heavy weight on people and require them to systematically give sometimes money that they don't even have enough this is the disparity you feel when you are a member of this kind of of church i know i recognize it it was constant misery because i couldn't give or do enough making this blank statement that it's just about negative and positive thinking is is so heretically twisting god's word that this man needs to be called out for it he does and we're not coming against the church we're coming up against this big church empire here right there's no issue with the church christ church doesn't have an issue but these systems they do are back on the podcast for another week the grace escape podcast hi everyone thank you for joining us today my name is tiffany and i'm justin and through grace we escaped a high control fundamental pentecostal church called the united pentecostal church that we spent over 30 years in and thank the lord we have been set free yeah and we just want to welcome those that might be new um to the podcast so welcome in it's good to have you. And then those that return on a weekly basis as we have been journeying over the last several weeks, like 20 something odd weeks. So it's good to have yeah. the the regulars that reach out and we know you're watching every week Thank or you. listening. Um, either way, we're over on YouTube and we're on all the podcast platforms. So if you want to watch us sit on the couch and have conversations, you can do that on YouTube or uh, Spotify. Or if you like to listen and put it up in double speed, you can do that too (laughs) uh, on your podcast app. So (laughs) what are we going to talk about today? Well, last week we, we kind of, uh, we, I think we hit hit a nerve last week with the money uh, topic. Greed Greed in the church. Yeah. Yeah. More money, more problems. Uh, no, we don't have That's... any more problems, but, uh, we, in fact, uh, since we've gotten away from some of this heretical, uh, teaching, I would say that you'll have less problems if you don't give all your money away to a uh, well, to uh, a church that's twisting God's word, let's yes. put it that way. So we we kind of examine greed and like the bigger picture of money on the episode last week. Um, if you didn't catch that, we'll we'll put a link below so that you can catch it after you uh, listen to this one. But uh, we had some notes that we just didn't get to. Um, yes, kind of focusing around tithing specifically, and so we thought, okay, let's just. It seems like we hit a hit a vein here, and there's some new people that came in through last yeah. last week's episode, and so we're gonna ride the wave. We're gonna, um, well, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a way to put it. Uh, I think that there's a lot to talk about with this subject of money and tithing and giving and greed in the in the larger church body, and so um, I don't think we can even come close to tackling just even tithing um, right. in this episode. But we really want to look at is 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 tithing biblical? Well, mm-hmm. yes. Is tithing for the New Testament believer today? I think that by the end of the episode, we will um, 
we will show through scripture that it's an emphatic no. Right. Um, and in between, we're going to expose some false teaching, some twisting of God's word, um, and even expose some um, preachers and pastors that take God's word and take scripture out of context yeah. again to put a heavy weight on people. So yeah. that's kind of the idea today. This subject will probably show up again in our podcast over time as we dive a little deeper into subjects like more like the prosperity gospel aspect of it, mm-hmm. or even the tithers rights. We'll touch a little bit on that today, but like you could do a whole episode just on either one of those, like multiple episodes. Cause in looking for clips for this episode, Oh boy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, even if the, the United Pentecostal church and uh, oneness Pentecostal churches alike, if they say they don't subscribe to the more broad charismatic view of the prosperity gospel, I, I just don't find that to be true by some of the the clips of the mainstream UPC preachers and some of the things they say. And we're going to, we're going to touch on that a little bit today. Yes. So money is a big, big subject. This will not be an exhaustive um, review of tithing even, you know, but we're going to do do, our best. Yeah. We'll do within the amount of time that our episodes um, are typically are typically, (laughs) which is getting longer and longer. It seems like, Um, but I would just like to point out that if tithing is a requirement for a New Testament believer, you're you're really kind of leaning towards, especially for salvation, you're definitely leaning towards, as a church, a legalistic type of view. And what that means is you are forcing law back into grace. And that is um, going to lead us right into our theme scripture, which is that Yeah, I was going to say, that's what this podcast really was kind of formed around is escaping that legalism. And that's Mm -hmm. where the name grace escape came from because by grace, we really did escape like we say every week. And so, yeah, yeah, that's why we read the theme scripture every week. Um, For those that may be new and not realize it, they're just stumbling on this particular episode because of the subject matter or somebody shared it. So yeah, yeah. we do try to um, come up against and expose to the works based system that a lot of Christian churches these days are. Uh, following and requiring of their people. So back to scripture is where we try to go every week and also just provide encouragement and some of our stories along the way as well. So uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Yeah, and it. I would just say it's really a work of uh, not the Holy Spirit when the pastor is trying to control your wallet and the things that you do with your money by saying God requires tithing because that is just not anywhere in the New Testament. And what they'll do is they'll take scripture throughout the Bible and they'll proof text it and kind of try to jumble it all together and say, well, this passage is meaning this really, and this passage is meaning this. And so when you put this all together, you know, one plus two plus three, you know, and so uh, we're going to touch a little bit on that today how they do that, how they take scripture out of context. They do. And they, they, uh, proof text. So we're going to work kind of in a little bit through a timeline of sorts, just because this is what the UPC does to proof text their 
false doctrine mm-hmm. that systematic tithing is required today. And um, But before we get started on that, just a little compare and contrast between proof texting uh, versus looking at the entirety of Scripture comprehensively. Um, proof texting is where they select isolated verses to support their theology or their beliefs or their doctrines Mm -hmm. and it's presented you know as proof this is dangerous because a lot of times they are out of context they're used out of context right and um you will it's called eisegesis too where you're like pulling out of the scripture what you or putting into the scripture sorry what yourself and thinking that it applies to you, which tithing is a huge one. Right. There's term. Yeah. The term exegesis means we're going to pull out of what the context of the scripture means and, and read that in context Mm -hmm. again. And eisegesis is a term that has been coined where we read ourselves into the passage when the passage isn't talking about us at all. Right. And we don't want to do that. No, no, it's dangerous. Um, you will end up finding conflicting passages in other parts of the Bible, too. If you're if you're using a scripture for proof text and uh, it's out of context, like it, you can find scriptures that are contrary later on in the Bible. Like you're, it's not going to work. Well, and using that method of proof texting, it, you can make any doctrine uh, uh, from any scripture if you if you use that kind of a method. And so uh, a lot of the uh, people that are coming in with a New Testament tithing concept, it, they don't necessarily always just use one scripture, but they are proof texting multiple scriptures out of context right. in order to to build their their doctrine, their teaching of New Testament tithing. And they'll say things along the lines of, well, tithing was before the the old covenant, the Mosaic law, which mm-hmm. we talked about that a little bit last week, where they they try to take the Old Testament. This is not just for tithing, but no. in general for some of the Mosaic law and that old covenant that has been fulfilled by Christ. They try to take principles out of that and try to shove them into the New Testament. And we see that throughout the epistles and the letters to the early church where Paul was and other apostles were constantly coming up against that. Yeah, and that's exactly what proof texting is. And and so entire on um conversely, the entirety of scripture, if you are looking and studying the scripture as a whole, then doctrines start to formulate on their own. Right. Rather than you trying to create a a doctrine and needing scripture to prove that for you. Yeah. And a lot of times what they'll do too, is they'll take very, um, not the clearest passages Mm -hmm. and they'll try to use those as the foundation of the doctrine and then pull other points in where really when we read the Bible, the best way to approach it is let the clear passages interpret the unclear passages. Right. And I think um, just to kind of insert here as we're talking, like we have warnings of this happening in the New Testament already. Uh, It makes me really think about the passage in Titus where he's talking about a qualification of the elders. And I wanted to read real quick Uh, down in verse 10, he says, for there are many who are insubordinate 
empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. But if we, but if we go up and look uh, just a few verses before that, he says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught mm-hmm. so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine or teaching and also rebuke those who contradict it. Right. So this is, this is a great passage to show that you know, it's directed at the qualifications of an elder in the new early church being formed. But we can take out of that that there are going to be uh, false teachers and false prophets who are going to for shameful gain. And because of the, the greediness of their ha- hearts, they're going to take and twist the word of God. And so hopefully today we'll, we'll examine the scripture in, in light of its context to the best of our ability and shine some light on this New Testament tithing concept. And where proof texting is concerned within tithing itself, the very first example, at least I've heard UPC preachers use is Cain and Abel Mm -hmm. and the offerings that they brought. We're going to play a little clip of um, a UPC uh, he may not be UPC anymore, but he's oneness Pentecostal. Well, he has the last name Urshon, so I think that he has some association. He used to be part of the UPC for sure. Um, yeah. With the oneness Pentecostal movement, and let's he has a whole video here on YouTube about tithing, and we're going to take a, one clip out of this um, here real quick, yes. and uh, and let's see what he has to say here. To God, so we don't pay tithes. We bring tithes. Tithing belongs to the Lord. Now, let me just say at the outset, when people ask what belongs to God, everything belongs to God. Everything, everything you have, everything I have, it all belongs to the Lord. So in one sense, we are simply caretakers. We are stewards. You have 70 years given to you by God. If by reason of strength, then it is 80, then you're blessed. But during those 70 or 80 years, you and I are stewards. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. And if you're a part of the new birth, then you are not your own. So everything he's saying here is is actually true in some context, right? In some way, he's taking New Testament scripture and Old Testament scripture and principles of the Bible and saying them. And so this is a tactic they use mm-hmm. is to say things like this, like you're not your own, you're bought with a price that scripture has nothing to do with tithing. And yes, we understand that God created everything, right? He created us. He created everything in the earth. But to take that and then twist it to mean tithing is again, taking God's word and using it to put a heavy weight and burden on people. And for what? For what? For their own gain. Yep. In many cases. Bought with a price with the precious blood of Jesus. So when we, God, God tells us to bring the 10th into his storehouse. I know there's people right there that would go, oh my goodness, that's not right. Tithing's Old Testament. Oh, you know, they'll say things like, we don't obey circumcision. We don't obey the Sabbath. So why in the world? Aren't we? Why are we obeying tithing? We're free in Christ. We don't do this. We give. We are not mandated. And to those people, um, let me say I love you. I appreciate you. And you, God bless your heart, could not be more wrong. 
You couldn't be more mistaken. And so please take a moment and listen. And I want to help you with this. Um, we'll dig, we'll dig into it. You know, that all is really unnecessary. If you just open up the word of God and, um, show us where it, it says that we're supposed to be paying new Testament tithing of monetary means and currency to a, to a church pastor, which by the way, he doesn't do, he just gives examples in scripture. So, um, and we're going to look at those, but there's a little bit more, I think. And for those of you that have ever run into somebody that has said that they'll get up on the soapbox and they'll really, really rant about it. They will say it's a lie. It's a sin. I saw a guy on Facebook. I've seen a couple. I got to just pause it there. I mean, where Isn't do you that see? What where, he's doing? Well, not only that, but I mean, where have we not seen the preachers? They're the ones that are up on the quote unquote soapbox ranting, uh, ranting about raving. this stuff. I yeah. mean, you don't hear uh, anybody in the congregation being able to do that. No. So I, I don't know. That's just to me, that's him just using a straw man argument. It is people on Facebook that really made this, took this anti-tithing New Testament stance. And when they did, I mean, they were as self-righteous as you could get, and they had an answer for everything. Um, they weren't scriptural answers, and they were not answers grounded in experience, and I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second, but um, just railing about it and the, the points they were making were so juvenile. They were so mistaken. They, they do not take into consideration the whole corpus of Scripture, the whole body of Scripture. And so, like <laughs> Isaiah ironic. said... I, I know. I mean, talk about <laughs> being ironic here. The irony in a oneness Pentecostal preacher saying that... Him saying that people are ranting and raving, you know, the ones that are free in Christ, which he acts like is a bad thing. Yeah, um, I don't really get the sense of a servant heart um, just by his kind of his attitude. It seems like he's mad a little bit about somebody coming up against uh, New Testament tithing. Yeah. Say to you, come now and let us reason together. Let us reason together. I'm all for that. Um, tithe and offering does not begin under Moses. It does not begin under Jacob. It doesn't even begin under Abraham. Tithe and offering goes all the way back to Abel when he brought the firstling of his flock. The first instance we see that someone brings the first fruit unto the Lord, which is what tithing was and is, no, it's not. The first instance that we see of that is when Abel brings the firstling of his flock from the Garden of Eden. So here you go again, what I just got done saying a minute ago. This is this is taking passages and reading them. And yeah, Abel did offer first fruits, right? That's not that's not the argument. The argument is whether that concept translates into New Testament giving to a pastor. Right. Or to a church building. I mm -hmm. mean, so unlike Well, him, that's what tithing is. Tithing goes to the pastor. 
The right. offering goes to the church. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. At least in the church we grew up in, tithing was... Well, did we really know, though? Or is that just what they say? No, that's... that's The offering was handled by, on by a different separate. system, and the okay. tithing was handled by the pastor's office I've always in our just church. kind of thought that there wouldn't have been enough funds coming in the offering to, you know, do things like keep the lights on. I've always wondered that because you're giving double tithes normally, you know. Um, but unlike him, I'm going to read Genesis 4-4, which says, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, of course, this is after Cain brought his uh, offering of produce, which the Lord rejected. Want yes. So, and this was for a very specific reason, right? It wasn't. It wasn't to supply funds for a salary for a pastor. It no. wasn't to supply funds for a building to gather in. This was an offering to God for for a very specific reason. And so that principle is biblical, but to take that principle and then lay your whole foundation for New Testament tithing on that, don't you think that any of the apostles would have referenced that? They referenced the Old Testament all the time. Yes. So I think as we kind of work through this, we're going to see where they take the first fruits principle and the tithing principle and try to tie them together, tie them together, Mm -hmm. morph them together and then say, okay, well, this is the principle throughout the Bible here. We have this story. We have that story. And now we're going to make that mean that you have to give 10% of your income to the church. Right. So I'll just say right out front, tithe means 10th only. It does not mean first fruits. Um, and so to first fruits looks more like a giving type offering thing, which is from your own heart and your own decision. Whereas a tithe is- a And tithe. out of the abundance of what you have. Yes. Yes. So he goes on to say basically that God established from the very beginning that we are to bring the first of our harvest. Mm-hmm. Um Cable and Abel, Cable and Abel, Cain and Abel submitted offerings, not a tithe, because it wasn't a tenth of anything. The word tithe isn't even included in this story. So to use it as a tithing principle is is just, um, it's a stretch. It's actually, it's not a stretch. It's not, it, it's, there's no biblical evidence either that they even repeated this act. It was mm-hmm. a. It could have been just the very first time. Yeah. Could have been the only time. Um, the other thing too is we can't bring God our harvest or our animals or even our money. Mm-hmm. So um, to use it as something that we should be doing, it, that's so literal and we can't follow that literally. So um, so I think if they're going to use the word tithe and and put so much importance on that word, um, there's no biblical reference to tithing before Abraham. And so this is one of those ways where, yeah, there's principles in the Bible where there's types and shadows and there's principles wi- woven throughout the Bible. But this is a very specific subject and particularly in the Western uh, modern church. And if you really study 
church history, which we're not even kind of touching on that today. Um, there were many years where the pastor didn't take a salary and they didn't take up tithing in, in the church for, for centuries. Right. Yes. Um, and so there's just, there's no biblical reference before Abraham to tithing. So this, this concept of first fruits is biblical, but again, what does that have to do with the new Testament believer? Is that, is that something that we have a promise to do? Are we required to do that? Um, those are, those are really good questions to ask and to just Mm -hmm. lump us into the story of Cain and Abel, read ourselves into that passage and say again, that, you know, every single time we get some sort of monetary increase that we have to give the very first of that to the church. Well, if you have a paycheck and you are in the United States, (laughs) the government takes the first part of your check out. Yes, they do. Um, and if they don't, and you're not paying taxes, then you're, you'll get in trouble. You'll get in trouble. You're, you're not following the law. And that's a whole nother debate, whether tax, you know, the taxes and all that, but (laughs) we do have, we do have some Bible about that, uh, scripture, I should say about that. So, yeah, I think, um, we have to look at Cain and Abel, not as an example of principled tithing. No, yeah, no, not at all. If we're going to, if we're going to follow the fact that tithing means 10th, which it does, it does not mean first fruits. So we can't, that does not apply. So we got to scratch Cain and Abel's example off the list, in my opinion. Yeah. And so they will go to the Abraham story along with that and some other Old Testament stories to really bolster their um, point that this idea of tithing is tied to first fruits and that the old covenant is not the beginning of tithing, but then they'll jump to the Abraham story, which says tithe for the first time, or it says Mm -hmm. 10th in some, in some, um, translations. Right. So they definitely want to use this and they, they claim, uh, the law of first mention for sure on this example. Yeah. So let's play another clip. This is of Ken Gurley, and this is going back almost 20 years to a Florida, uh, men's conference. And I found this clip and we may actually use it in the future for some more money subjects down the road because the whole thing is about money. But there's a section in here about tithing where he kind of makes some of these points. So we want to go ahead and hear what uh, Ken Gurley has to say now. We'll put God first. Second principle, give God what belongs to him. Third principle, tithe must be first. I don't think I'm talking to anybody that has a problem with this, but let me just say that tithing is not an, just an under-the-law kind of thing. Tithing began 2,500 years before the law when Abel offered the firstborn. 500 years before the law, Abraham paid tithes to a spooky character in Scripture. I don't know. His name was Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, king of Salem. Uh, no beginning of days, no end of days. Uh, and, and after God had given Abraham the victory, he paid tithes. He paid a tenth to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek gave him bread and wine. But then we read in the writer of Hebrews says, and Jesus Christ is a priest. After the order of Melchizedek forever. So again, mm. if we're if we're going to take this principle of paying tithe to Melchizedek as now we pay tithe to Jesus, how do we do that? How do we, we pay tithe to Jesus? We cannot. <laughs> he is and not here. That story is about spoils of war and That's giving. What he gave. 
And he gave that and Melchizedek tried to give it back. Melchizedek, however you want to say it, right? He did try to, yeah. And Abraham said no. So this story, again, they it uses the word tithing. And it's, again, the principle of giving 10% of mm-hmm. something, um, which is not that's not unbiblical to say tithing is not biblical. Bibl- tithing is biblical, but what we're driving the point down to is, is, is tithing a New Testament principle? And right. can you take this passage? And I think Urshan from the clip from prior, doesn't he talk about this story as well? And uh, he even likens Melchizedek to the pastor, Right. The pastor is the one who brings the bread and the wine is symbolism of the word and the spirit when they preach. So um, then we are to turn around and tithe uh, towards the pastor because he gave us the bread and wine. (sighs) Yeah, that's that's very heretical. That's as long as Jesus, our high priest, continues to offer bread and wine, his body and the blood. As long as Calvary still works, as long as you can repent of your sins, be baptized in his lovely name, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, and old things have passed away, and everything be made brand new. As long as there's still a church, the Lord has a plan, and it's the principle of tithing. Leviticus 27, and all the tithe of the lamb, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it's holy unto the Lord. Now, tithing means a tenth. Everybody say a tenth. We already know that, and to talk to people like that, again, is just kind of talking down to them, I, I yes. think, and this principle is a, is, is, a, is a mosaic Old Testament covenant command of God. Right. And so he's, he's saying here in this clip that tithing is the first tenth. So again, he's pulling in the The first first fruit mm -hmm. principle and the tithing together. And there's multiple types of tithing in the Old Testament. When you look at tithing, there was, there was multiple types of tithing. And in fact, the only tithing that wasn't agricultural that you could actually um, exchange those things, whether it be um, agricultural or animal sacrifices and, and, exchange it for money was the tithe that you would participate in your yourself with. Mm. And we don't see that in the New Testament church ever. Do they ever say that you bring a tithe and that you get to participate in that tithe? Or do they take off the seventh year, which was another principle of tithing in the Old Testament? Yeah. So the scripture actually is from Genesis 14 verses 18 through 20. And it says, and Melchizedek, king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the high priest of God most high. Mm -hmm. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a 10th of everything. So this is our first example of someone giving a, one time, again, one time, that's all we have evidenced in scripture mm-hmm. is one time, a tenth, okay? It was voluntary and it was not compulsory like the teaching of tithes in churches today. Correct. Or required, okay? It was voluntary. He gave 10% of the spoils of war. 
it was that example in scripture is not an instruction to maintain systematic tithing. No. So what they'll use this passage to do is say that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham and that the priesthood of Melchizedek is superior to the priesthood of Moses. So that makes mm-hmm. the Abrahamic order greater and more superior to the Mosaic um, covenant. So when people that don't believe in New Testament tithing say, oh, well, it was a Mosaic, that's the old covenant, that's the Mosaic covenant. This is the passage that they use to say, oh, wait, 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 wait. Tithing happened way before the Mosaic covenant and what mm-hmm. goes back to Abraham. The problem is, is that we're not living in that covenant anymore. Jesus fulfilled that covenant and Jesus right. is the forever high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. So, and they say that that means we need to tithe to Jesus. Well, that's what they basically are saying. But again, how would you do that? We can't tithe to him. And he, furthermore, he didn't leave us any instructions on how anyone would tithe to him anyway after his resurrection. No, he didn't. He didn't accept any sort of tithe while he was on this earth, and he didn't give instruction for that afterwards. And then, as we've mentioned before, according to First Peter chapter 2, we are the priesthood of all believers. Right. He is forever our high priest, but we have been, I mean, we are part of the priesthood. So if we are to practice the tithe as Abraham did, we would only do it one time. Mm-hmm. And and wouldn't it have would, to be the spoils of war? I think it would have to be. Yeah. Again, this is the danger of eisegesising yourself into the passage and yeah. saying, okay, because Abraham did this and it was a principle in the Old Testament that now I have to write myself um, into, into this passage. And like you've already mentioned, there is no evidence that Abraham ever gave that gave a tenth again oh. to Melchizedek or anyone else. Yep. And what he did give, it was a gift um, and it wasn't required of God and it wasn't an act of faith. So it's nowhere close and it cannot be used as a reference. No. And if you, you know, if you have some sort of increase where you feel God asking you to give that, give mm-hmm. 10% of that to some, to someone or something, that doesn't mean that that's a top, that you could say, well, I'm tithing this, but that's not, again, a principle that we're required to do in the new Testament. We're try, right. we're, we're, um, instructed by scripture to give cheerfully out of what God lays on our hearts. Yes. Not out of compulsory. Right. So what is another, so they'll use, they'll use Cain and Abel and some others, they'll use Abraham and then they'll also use Jacob, right? Yeah. They'll use Levi just because he was from the, um, the lineage of Abraham or whatever it was, his son. So yeah. And there's some scriptures in Hebrews about him inheriting the blessing because he was part of the lineage of Abraham. But if you look at the new Testament, we're also grafted in to uh, the promise that Abraham had, which is that the number of the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky, like that was how many children he was going to have, which is, right, that is a reference to the body of Christ. 
Yeah. So technically too, we would be tithing to ourselves if we we're going to follow Abraham's tithe, mm-hmm. you know, as a systematic type thing. So another one is Jacob and uh, there's actually no biblical evidence that Jacob actually submitted a tithe and it was, it was going to be at Bethel, which is interpreted uh, the house of God. Yeah. So there's another way that. that they love to twist <laughs> that scripture. And I would say he also made this offer contingent Yes. Um, that if God provided for him as he requested. So you never, you never you get never that. You never get the full story. And that, that gives evidence right away that required tithing didn't exist at that, that time, time or even prior because the, his offer couldn't have been a contingent one, if so. Not according so, to uh, what these, these preachers say is New Testament tithing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So then we have the big one. We yes. we get to the big one that uh, if you've been in church for even a week, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know if it's that often, but uh, there's some services we watch, uh, some churches that we kind of go back to and frequent to get material for the podcast. Yeah. And um, we hear this scripture over and over and they pray it. And um, we want to dive a little bit deeper into this one. And that is Malachi three, uh, chapter three. Yes. Uh, verses eight through 12 says, will man rob God yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me the whole nation of you. Oh, the whole nation of you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you think that means? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight says the Lord of hosts. And I will just point out, I think that it's very important when you're reading this passage to read it in the fuller context. Malachi is not a big book. Uh, I would encourage you uh, to go and read the whole thing in context because this is really a book written specifically to the children of Israel under a specific Mosaic covenant for a very specific reason. And these promises that God gave them and them coming back to his call for them to come back to it. You know, he gave them the promises that these things would happen if they followed that law to the T. And if they didn't, these are the things that would happen. And again, we can't take those principles and then flip them around and say, oh, well, I can make, you know, food be this and I can make um, the devourer be that. Right. We can't do that. And so they'll do things like taking the storehouse, which was a specific place in the temple for storing grain. Yes. And they'll make that be the church building. Well, no one comes and brings their money and, and well, they don't bring their, their grain and store it in the church. That's for certain. And they don't bring their money and store it in a specific place so that it can be distributed when needed. Yeah. I mean, the very, from Malachi 1, 1, you can tell that he is addressing the nation of Israel specifically it even kind of narrows down even further towards the Levitical priests in chapter one and verse six and chapter two and verse one. So our first clue is that it wasn't for us. And 
Yes, the storehouse was an actual facility. And so, I mean, another thing that you'll hear is that tithing to the Levitical priest equals... Paying tithing. a salary to a pastor. Yeah, whose amount was chosen by... Himself? Himself. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, right? The other thing is they use fear about the robbing God part. If mm -hmm. you don't pay your tithes, God will either rob it back for you, rob it, rob it back from you, or you are a robber, you know? And I read, um, the priests weren't bringing the full tithe to the temple, but rather keeping some select items for themselves, which is why he addressed mm -hmm. that issue. Yeah, I would say when you really look at this, the best way to compare it to what we would have today would be our modern tax system, mm -hmm. right? Because the priests were the government officials of that of modern Israel at the at that time, and um, tithing was like a tax. And when you really look at it, it was more than just ten percent. It, it was, was closer to 23%. And again, like yeah. we've already said, there was there was tithe that you could participate in. And then there was also time where you were uh, rested from paying that tithe too. And none of that translates over into New Testament tithing today. Yeah. And again, it's it, was, it wasn't a financial type system it, or some sort of wealth thing. It was to provide the fleshly needs of the priests and the Levites who were the ministers in the temple. And it had purposes like, of course, the, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, but also the poor every third year. And it was food and stuff that could be consumed and shared at the festivals. Yeah. I mean, this, this is really God's promise to bless Israel and yeah. it's tied specifically to their obedience. Um, and they were instructed to bring the full amount of tithe that was required by the law that was required yeah. by the law. So again, you can't say, well, this morphs into a new Testament principle because that full amount was written specifically in the Mosaic law. And um, as we've already mentioned, the storehouse is referring to a place where grain was stored um, yes. in the temple. And so we don't have a temple anymore today. Um, the other thing that they love to, you know, say over and over is test me and see if I will not yeah. throw open the floodgates of heaven. You know, <laughs> those windows are just going to pour, going to open and it's just going to pour on a blessing that you're not even going to have room to contain. Again, going back, this is a promise that you have to go back to Deuteronomy 28 mm -hmm. to see. It's very, very contextual to Israel yes. and it doesn't have any parallel to the New Testament church, where we are now governed by a greater law, which is a heart issue. And our giving is supposed to be done in abundance within reason of what God lays on our heart to do um, according to the New Testament scripture. Well, and not out of coercion. And, you know, compulsion is the word that, that scripture uses. But um, I'm just thinking there's so much fear behind the curses and the robbings. And it's all it's all to manipulate and to cause a worry that you are 
seriously being a thief of what God gave you. I mean, the actual cash that you worked hard for eight hours um, or more. five days a week this week. And like you said, it's, we, don't even, we don't even get the first part of it. The government straight up takes it from us. Yeah, and then when you look at the part of the scripture, which is kind of gets into the whole tithers right thing, mm-hmm. they say that God is going to rebuke the devourer, and you only get that blessing and that promise if you're paying your ten percent to a man or to a church system. Um, that is very specific again to the promises laid out in Deuteronomy, and it's talking about preventing pests from devouring the crop, and that their right. that the vines in their field would not drop the fruit before it was ripe. So it was very specific to uh, the agricultural nature of the way that God supplied the needs of his people in that time. And the devourer was the pests and the disease and those things. And he promised that it wouldn't hurt their crops if they they obeyed his yeah. commandments. And so this, this, again, to turn it into some sort of New Testament thing where like the devil, you're going to have the devourer you know, come against you if you're not paying your tithe is just a fear mongering legalistic tactic to put a heavy weight on people and require them to systematically give sometimes money that they don't even have enough to do. Um, you know, you, I've heard some people jokingly put it, you know, like you have something break down in your house that you need to work, whether it's your refrigerator or your washing machine or something like that. And you may not have enough money out of your next paycheck to fix that so that your family can have clean clothes or even food on the table. And you're expected to give this to a man that most time is living in a home much better than you have. Um, having vehicles a lot of times that are much better than what you're driving, um, taking a lot more vacations and having a lot more earthly materialistic things in a lot of cases than you do. And you're expected to give that money because they take this passage and they twist it out of context and say, before you put money on, before you put, take your hard earned money and put food on your table for your family, or before you take that money and fix uh, things in your house that may have broke so that you can actually function and have uh, your day-to-day things work, whether that's your washing machine or your refrigerator, like I said. Like, you can't do that until you pay yeah. your tithe. Yeah. You can't do that. And if you are, you're robbing God. Oh, it's disgusting. It, it, it's twisting God's word to a point where, again, it's putting heavy, heavy fear and burdens on people yeah. That God never intended. He didn't. I I also wanted to talk about the how the um, church, or specifically the UPC, in my opinion, um, takes scripture and makes them literal mm-hmm. sometimes when they shouldn't be, but then they they use them as symbolism when it should be literal, kind of. And I heard Nathaniel Urshan say later on in that video that we watched um, a clip of, he said. Well, these non-tithers say you don't you don't do circumcision, you don't follow the Sabbath. Those are under the law. So why do you do tithing? Well, it, and he goes, we do um, practice circumcision because God carves away the flesh from us and 
Um, so it's like this symbolism of circumcision, but then tithes, it's literal that they're saying still needs to be something being brought to the church house and given as an actual item. So it's like, you can't have both. And again, it was agricultural. So where does that change and shift? And they'll say, they'll use, um, arguments as well. That was their form of monetary currency Currency, back there. And that's just not, that's just true. There's evidence of money all throughout the old Testament. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at just like the story of, um, Judas betraying Jesus. So, uh, I think that again, you make a great point where they take certain old Testament shadows Mm -hmm. of what the new Testament is going to be. And that's okay. But then when it comes to tithing, it's not. Yeah. (laughs) You got to bring your money, 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 money. So I think now we'll fast forward a little bit into the new Testament. So we have these, you know, Malachi's at the end of the, the old Testament. And then we, as we get into the new Testament, we do have some mentions of tithing in the new Testament. Uh, from Jesus, actually. And just a reminder that when Christ was alive and on the earth, he was living under the law. He was practicing it perfectly for us. So that was all still in effect, right? Yeah, and I would I would like to say that there's only two scriptures in all of the New Testament that even reference the word tithing. So if this was such an important principle, again, you would likely see the apostles telling the New Testament Christian as they did with other principles and moral laws of God, you are now brought to a higher standard and giving is a higher standard. It is because you, you have, you're deciding it yourself, right? There's not this rule book that we Mm -hmm. follow. And so it is a heavier um, responsibility, not a burden, but it's, it's, you got to, be using the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. you know? So why don't you read the first passage that we have of the tithing mentioned in the New Testament? So they're both very similar. It's, it's um, Jesus talking to the Pharisees, Matthew 23 and 23. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Yeah, I find it very interesting that um, money or any form of currency was never used in tithing. It's really specific to um, what some note as garden produce. Yes. Right? Like, um, I think... produce. So... Where does that shift and change? And if it did, where do we have that New Testament reference where, okay, now it is actually money? Right. And then again in Luke eleven forty two, but woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. He wasn't praising the Pharisees for following the law, which they were still under. He was pointing out the that the compulsory practice of it doesn't excuse them of the negligence of the of the weightier matters, the moral law. Yeah, things like justice, mercy, faithfulness. Yeah. Those things. So again, it gets to be where it's more about a heart matter here. Mm-hmm. And um, 
not about a physical tithing. Right. So moving along then to the epistles and what the apostles have given us through scripture, um, any examples there? There's not a single example of tithing. Nope. Systematic tithing was neither practiced nor taught under the new covenant. We don't no. see any anywhere in, in the New Testament uh, scripture where Paul or Peter or John or any of the other writers said anything to to infer even. And we would have. Uh, what we do see, though, is first century Christians giving cheerfully according to their ability and not out of command. Yeah, giving was voluntary in the New Testament church. And mm. when we look at that, those things benefited not the pastor. It benefited the poor, right. the orphans, the widow, the sick, the prisoners, and the strangers. We mentioned that last week. Right. Like, so there's a much different principle here. So even if, even if we were to twist all that and look at the examples of the new Testament, we don't see anywhere where it was saying you have to give this to the pastor every week. You just don't see that. No. Giving is what we do as Christians. Um, Tithing is not required. And the apostles would have at least referred to it, you know, giving us some sort of instruction um, about it. So So we have another clip we want to play, and uh, this is of Nathaniel Haney from CLC. Um, And uh, let's see what he has to say. Um, In this clip here, he is going to use the, the scripture we've just got done talking about Malachi to institute a new type of declaring for his church. This is right back in July of 2020. And um, he's going to twist God's word in a way that I'm going to show you is um, pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Morning, I want to take a few moments and talk about a uh, one of the changes we're going to do in our services. And uh, if you were here last Sunday, Brother Lopez preached a wonderful message about uh, putting your name on things and speaking it and give us tremendous scripture base for that. And so um, this morning, we're going to make a change in our offering. Normally, we pray for at offering time over our offering. Uh, Going forward, we're going to make a declaration over our offering and our giving. And we are... um, going to do this based on the Word of God. And so I want to give you a few scriptures uh, that we're going to uh, going to support where, where we're going with this. But let's go to um, the book of Proverbs. So before he does that, if this was a biblical principle that they should have been doing, how as a pastor who's been pastoring this church for a while, I don't yes. know how long he's been the senior pastor of this church, but let's just say it's been more than a decade, how, if this is a biblical principle, has he not been teaching his congregation that, and how how have they not been following it? All along, yeah. So there in itself uh, gives me some reason to believe that he isn't a biblical pastor, because that's the instruction that Paul gave to Timothy, uh, was to preach God's word, and so... Right, not come up with a new... Um 
thing surrounding money. <laughs> yeah. And taking a, and what we'll see is a scripture completely out of context. Chapter six, and I want to read one verse of scripture there that I think will um, help us to understand. He thinks. I've actually taught a lesson from this a few times in the past. It's been a while. But Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. And basically that saying is the things that you speak, the things that you declare, the things that you, uh, words that you utter, those things uh, become an entrapment to you or a snare to you. That means they catch you. And um, this works both ways. You can say bad things and have bad things get a hold of you, or you can say good things and mm. good things get a hold of you. We call that positive uh, speaking. But when you speak positive based on what the Word of God has said. Oh, boy. Okay, oh let's, boy. let's take a look at this passage. Um, and then you'll see why I seem like I'm maybe a little fired up about this because Proverbs chapter six, verse one says, my son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in your words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. Come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. My take on that is, oops, I got in a little too deep with my neighbor promising him something, maybe. And now I really need to dial that back or hit rewind. Right. So what... Nathaniel Haney just said was this is, was a passage that you can get yourself into by saying the wrong words. You can get yourself into a bad situation. Causing a snare to yourself. Right. And that because that is what that scripture says, then conversely, if you say the right things according to God's word, then you can have all the blessings. I but mean, that's not what this passage is meaning at all. It has, number close. one, nothing to do with biblical tithe, which is what he's going to get into after this. This was about taking on the debt of others. So Solomon here is warning about guaranteeing the debt of your friends okay. or a stranger. Mm -hmm. So the Bible's advising us against doing that, right. but that if you have, you need to humble yourself and go and plead urgently with that friend, be persistent about it, and get out of there, get out of the situation. <laughs> so really, in, in summary of what's going on here at the beginning of Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, is really the emphasis of the importance of having wisdom in financial yes. matters and urging us to avoid rash commitments and acting diligently when facing debt-related challenges. Mm. So this is, has nothing to do with the power of positive speaking. Yeah, never mind how new age that sounds. Well, that's a whole nother subject. But this I man mean, has just taken God's word and twisted it in order to, as we will hear, go on and, and, and make a principle that this passage does not say. Oh, boy. 
It's more than just wishful thinking and trying to be optimistic, but now you're declaring what God has already declared for you. And so we're going to declare some things. Let, let me give you a scripture. Let's go to Malachi, if we would. Of course, why wouldn't this we not be a go verse there? I'm, I'd like us to use quite often when we make this declaration. Malachi chapter 3. Let's, let's find out if he gives any context to this passage <laughs> or if he just reads it. Mm. Uh, we'll start with verse uh, 8, and we'll read a few verses here. It's a, I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, it's making me laugh as mad as he's making me. Uh, he, he's acting like he doesn't know where he's really going with this. And um, let's see here. Let's, uh, let's start in chapter 8. I mean, uh, let's step and wow. start in chapter three, and um, hmm, I wonder out. what maybe maybe verse eight. Come on, give me a break. Will a man rob God? Hey, you have robbed me, but you say, "Wherein have we robbed thee?" And the it's a rhetorical question, and he says, "In tithe and offering." You're cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. That's pretty negative there, uh, because people have done negative things, and those choices have negative consequences. But then he explains the positive consequences. of. That's not people just doing negative things and getting negative consequences. No. It's very specific to God's law to the Israelites, and yes. the the, the commandments that he gave him laid out in Deuteronomy 28 and what would happen if they didn't follow those commandments. So right. making this blank statement that it's just about negative and positive thinking is, is, is so heretically twisting God's word that this man needs to be called out for it. He does. Positive actions. And he says, uh, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And so, by a simple action of obedience and faith and bringing our tithe and offering to the Lord, we are enabled by God to declare and to expect and to have faith in God's provision for us. No. And so, we're going to make declaration based on that. No. Uh, Again, not to beat the dead horse here, but like seriously, this is not a promise to you and I that we're going to get some supernatural blessings no, because we bring our first 10% of our paycheck to this man or another pastor. Um, this is a, a very specific promise to Israel. Yeah. And he just brushes all that off. Yes. What he's doing is prosperity gospel. We plan to talk about that in the future, but it is absolutely false doctrine. It's not true at all. We cannot decree and declare blessings for our lives because of something that we've done. I have one other verse I'd like to read to you, actually a couple of verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Oh my. 
And we'll start with verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So the amount of seed one puts in the ground is directly connected with the amount of harvest one receives. That's a natural principle that actually has its roots in the spiritual world. Verse 7 says, Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that supplieth seed to the sower, both supplies bread for your food, and multiplies your seed that is sown, and increases the fruit of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. And so the essence of this is that by bringing our offerings and our gifts to God, we have a promise from God threefold here. First is that God increases the food. That's our substance. Second, He increases the seed. That's the amount of investment uh, and ability to reinvest to uh, reap a harvest or benefit. And thirdly is He increases from that investment an element of that that allows us to go beyond just ourselves, but to give outside. That's the harvest that we can give to others. And so this is seed doctrine is what he's is. preaching right here. It is. And he read verse seven. He read that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So this, this is the new Testament principle of giving. Yes. And he's brushing that part of that scripture aside to teach a seed giving principle. All, yep. All the bountiful blessings that you will receive. If you give your tithes. Yeah. Because remember, he's tying this scripture to Malachi. Yes. Yep. It's a threefold blessing there. And uh, based on many, many scriptures, but I've given you three passages here, we have uh, uh, written a small declaration. I'm sure over the next few months we will uh, adjust it and add a little bit, but it covers many different areas of the tither and the giver in this church. Now, if you're not a tither or a giver, this probably won't do you much good. You'll probably just be uh, beating your gums. But if you are someone that tithe and someone that gives, this is a promise that God has given you. Oh, and uh, many of us could testify how God has blessed us already. We're just going to continue to declare that. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And Brother Miller's going to come, and this is his first time. I think he's a little nervous. Okay, I want to I want to play a little bit more of this, but I just have to say before that, I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that you'll hear. This is kind of the prosperity, tithers' rights, seed giving, manipulation mixed in with tithing. Mm -hmm. 
um, passages, we don't see anywhere in the New Testament where the New Testament givers, the ones that were praised for get, being alms givers, the ones that were praised for um, doing the good works, they were never doing that to receive something back. No, they weren't. And we don't see any principle in the New Testament where it says you giving to one man and one church system is going to then turn around and give you all this blessing. Who's the one that's getting rich off of this? Not the people that are in need. No. So uh, now he's going to have uh, one of his underlings come and, and actually do it. And, but before that, we have to insult him because I need to show that I'm a little more important and, you know, he can't do it as well as I could do it. Brother Miller's going to come, and this is his first time. I think he's a little nervous. He's been reading over it over and over and over. You should have heard him the first time he read it. He was stumbling all over it. And, uh, but he read it to me a minute ago. He did really well. So I want him to do that and to lead oh. us today. Thank you, Brother Miller. I mean, talk That's about... so bad. That was so rude and unnecessary. me now. Okay, so what we're going to do is on the screen, and go ahead and put up the first slide, if you will. Uh, we're going to all read together. And so, of course, this is going to be the first time, so we'll go nice and slow. So this is the first passage that Pastor Haney mentioned. So the first one's going to be this Malachi passage. And then we're going to read through some text that has been written for us, and we're going to declare that. So they're going to only read Malachi, even though he said we're going to read some passages. They're only going to read Malachi. We've already went over that. And <laughs> yes. then they're going to, from that, make some declarations. Yeah. And we'll just watch a little bit of it because I know we're getting long here. Okay, here we go. Everybody, let's read together and follow along. Bring ye all the tithe unto the storehouse, that there may be meat or plenty in mine house. And prove me now therewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and that he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time of the, in the field. I just have to say it one more time. This says that he... That this is a agricultural promise here. Yes, it's it is. It's not a monetary promise. At the Lord of Hosts, Malachi three ten and eleven. The next slide here. Now this is the part that has been written for us, and so follow along as we go and read aloud. Upon the authority of the Word of God, we declare that the Lord is our provider. As one who tithes and gives offerings. I am entitled to his blessings oh. and pro protection from the attacks of the enemy. Oh, boy. There do, we, do we see that any New Testament no apostles saying that we are to declare these kind of things? No. And, it, and it's, not, it's not true. I mean, that's the other thing. This is why these things are heavy burdens on people, because when people do give their tithe and offering faithfully, but yet the fall of sin still is, it falls on everyone right yes. and so we yeah. still have um we still have disease and we still have right. um things that come to us whether that is a, a loss of our job yeah or family situations so to make these kind of promises to people that are not in god's word according to paying our tithe and offering it's empty it promises is 
twisting God's word and heavy yeah. and putting heavy burdens on people. And that's why we're calling this out. It's not that we have a grudge against these people. It's not that we have a chip on our shoulder no. against these people. It's because they're twisting God's word. Yes. And we've seen the damages that it's done to other people's lives and what it did to our lives during the time we yes. were in it. And you don't have to you don't have to be under this burden anymore. And I hope no, that don't. if you're if if you've gotten this far and you're watching that, you have seen that already. But this kind of declaration, they're not the first church to do it. Um, it comes to mind Joel Olstein and the big mega church in Houston, Texas. Um, he's called America's pastor. I think he's one of the most popular pastors. His church does something like this. Um, I don't know if they're copying him mm-hmm. or not, but this this is a prosperity gospel um, principle Concept, here. Yep. For I bring my tithe and offering into the storehouse today, knowing that my God shall supply all my needs according Twisting. to his riches and glory. Twisting. They're not bringing they're not bringing the agricultural tithe into a storehouse. So they're no. lying when they're saying this. And you can't make it up to be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Here we go. This is what you get. I mean, people love this. We claim good jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, promotions Mm. and benefits, and favor with our employers and customers in the workplace. So what happens when you do lose your job and you have been one that is given... Faithfully given your ties. Faithfully given your ties. You're in one of these systems and you lose your job. I don't... Because here we're being told that we can get promised by this by this scripture taken out of a context that we're going to get better jobs and raises and bonuses. This is the disparity you feel when you are a member of this kind of, yeah. a, of church. I know, I recognize it. It was constant misery because I couldn't give or do enough. It, it rains on the just and the unjust. I still got let go on my job. I still suffered sickness. I mean, right. And they go on in this thing to talk about for the business owners that they, that they are going to get favorable contracts and growth and that these businesses will be profitable and blessings to the kingdom. This idea that like all this money is to, again, we talked a little bit about the greed in the church last week and how it's, they use all this about the kingdom. So they put a heavy burden on you about your tithe and then your general offerings. And then on top of that, they do these big pledges and these big um, projects where yes. they they do they sometimes need they need even more. And so it's, it's just never enough. And like you right. said, we both have experienced while we were in this system, the opposite effect of this. And I can say since I've been out of this system and I don't subscribe to this anymore, I don't see God cursing me. In fact, oh. I see the same pattern as whether I was in there or not, I just have more money now because I'm not giving it to them. Right. I mean, this is, I don't know. We could, we could again go on and on about this, but this declaration thing, I just wanted to touch on it because I think that, uh, Kenneth, uh, not Kenneth, that's his dad. Boy, that goes back. You can see we've been in the UPC for a while. I was going to say Kenneth Haney, uh, a former general superintendent of the whole UPCI organization at one time. 
his son, Nathaniel Haney, who is the pastor of Christian Life Center slash Christian Life College in Stockton, California, is a false teacher. He is. He twists God's word, and he should be, if you have listened to him, he should be marked and avoided because he is putting heavy weights on people, and he does not rightly handle God's word. And the Bible tells us to mark and avoid those that would would take Scripture and twist it for their own greedy gain. And that's exactly what he did. So I don't have a personal problem. I've never met this man. I've never talked to this man. If he was to come across this video for some reason, this podcast for some reason, I would I would call him to repentance yes. for twisting God's word as we are to do in love is to call um, fellow, fellow believers who are twisting God's word to, to repentance. So just so everyone knows, because we've gotten these comments like, I don't have a personal issue with him. I have a issue with him twisting God's word and he puts heavy burdens on people and he needs to be marked and avoided and and called out. Yeah. And and there's love enough in our hearts to express the need for repentance because we don't want um, these false prophets to be harming people in this way any longer. And yeah, amen to that. I think that this kind of, you know, opens the door to some questions like, is it even possible to physically give to the Lord as they were required to in the yeah. Old Testament for the the Levitical priesthood? Or should the pastor be taken care of like the Levitical priesthood? Are they the equal to that if you twist the word of God? I just want to I, I want to say like the, the Levites had, the Levitical priests had nothing. Mm-hmm. They had nothing. They had no retirement. They had no, you know, it, this was taking care of them. That's not what a modern day pastor looks like today. No, not, not the ones that are living life, lavish lifestyles. And even the ones that I would say are a little more conservative, they're still, they're still doing this under a twisting of God's word, which makes it wrong, regardless of whether they're more diligent about the money. But I think that there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes that some of us never really know the full picture of what it is. Like I said, last episode, there's not a lot of accountability and the, the weight and the heavy burden is put on the people that um, are sometimes the ones that are in need the most. Yes. And there, and some of the comments of under the last video and some of the, the correspondence we got about examining greed in the church, it's just, it, it's so devastating to know that this is what God's word is being used to, mm. to do. And that's why we can't, be quiet about it and why we're having these conversations is because this one is a big one this money money issue it really um, is. you get you you take this out and the whole the whole castle crumbles right i yeah. mean the whole empire and we're not coming against the church we're coming up against this big church empire here right there's no issue with the church christ church doesn't have an issue but these systems um, that they are do. twisting God's word are, um, they do. you know, it, it might sound like we're a broken record, but we're going to continue to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it affects everyone. Money, the issue of money affects everyone, you mm-hmm. know, it affects, it, it's, it's how we earn our living, you know, right. and it's how the pastors keep surviving and, and propagate their control. So it, it's a big issue. Yeah. And I think as we wrap, like, 
as we said last week, we don't want to get can anybody to get confused if this is the first episode they're watching of the Grace Escape podcast or listening to. Like, we believe in New Testament giving. We yes. believe in the principles as New Testament believers. And we've already mentioned and read Second Corinthians yes. chapter 9, verse 6, which talks about not having to give under compulsion right. or reluctantly, but what God lays on your heart to do each uh, one, each so one individually. Yeah. yeah. It's a very unique, uh, situation. It's not yeah. everybody having to do the same thing. And so it's out of that cheerful heart, out of the non-compulsory, um, pressure that right. we as Christians are supposed to use the resources wisely that God has given us to help our brother and sister in yeah. Christ yeah. and those that aren't for yeah. that for that matter. And it's not the amount that counts. You know, the, the, um, under the mosaic law it was 23%. So why are we even forcing 10% any, anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it doesn't match that at all. It's not the amount it's, it's the attitude and the motive behind and giving from a pure heart does produce wonderful things like thankfulness and love in between people who, you know, if you're giving to your neighbor, things like that, that's, those are the beautiful things that come from giving. Yeah. It's not and, the blessing and the prosperity. Right. And I would point out, like I already did again, like we don't see the New Testament church saying those things or, yeah. or saying, okay, we're, we're selling everything we have to help these people, but God is going to just bless us so much. And he's going to rebuke the devourer. Like you don't hear them or see them saying that in scripture at all. And yeah. this idea that somehow God is a mob boss you know, and it's like, if you don't give your 10%, you know, and yeah, I, I heard somebody put it this way. Like, you know, if you, as an example, if your washer broke down and you had to use your paycheck to, to fix that. So yeah. your wife could do the laundry and you didn't pay your, your tithe that week. Well, you know, God's a mob boss. And because you didn't give up the, the 10%, he's going to come around next week and he's going to, he's going to make your car break down. Right. Like (laughs) to the point where like God is a slot machine, right? Yeah. We're, we are to freely give. Yeah. We're not bound to pay. And I would just talk to the listener directly at this point with, with the death of Jesus, all those ceremonial laws that belonged to the Jews were nailed to Christ's cross and mm-hmm. buried, never to be used again for condemnation, to condemn us. And if anyone tries to pull those back off the cross of Christ, um, I would read Galatians 2.16 to them, which says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That is, that is the promise and the hope of God's word when we read it in context. So I would say, you know, as we wrap, let's flee from using the twisting of God's word mm. as if it's our own to do so. I know. Right? As we see fit. How irresponsible. It is. And we need to use it for the purpose that he gave, which is yeah. to bring the good tidings 
which is the good news of the gospel. And that helps us understand what the perfect will of God is, not what man's big church and Western culture has made it to be, which is unfortunately um, greed. Yeah, I think it it boils down to greed. All so. in all, yeah, mo money, mo problems. Truly, that is <laughs> that is the case. I think Biggie had it right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we really hope that this has been helpful. I know this has been another long one, but I think it's helped to scratch the surface. And I know that we've repeated some of the things that we've said because it is so important to hear what is being done in the name of God um, and what the word of God says and contrast those two things, right? Yeah. And coming out, um, there's a lot of listeners and ourselves included where we've come out. And so getting that old thinking out of your head, repetition really is important, especially if it's God's word. I mean, that's, that's what will dispel all of the false doctrine that we, some of us spent many, many years having us in, you know, indoctrinated into our heads. So, and there was so much more that we could have gone into. And, um, you know, again, these are we try to make these more conversational than, you know, like a deep dive Bible study, but I would just uh, point uh, others, if you want to dig a little deeper on the tithing subject uh, specifically over to divide the word dot blog. And this is from Ralph Brickley was part of this legalistic system um, several years ago, and he now has a blog that he writes on. And so he has a couple articles. One of them is, is tithing for New Testament Christians? It's a really great deep dive yes. into that. And then he has another one, which is their out of context scripture, Malachi 3, 8, will a man rob God? Yeah. And so I will put links to Ralph's divide the word dot blog articles. If you haven't read those before down into the description. Yes. And I think that, um, they're very good. That'll help you if you want to uh, dive deeper on this subject. Yeah. Until next week, though, we thank you for listening. If you made it this far, this was probably our longest one yet. Maybe. Um, I don't know fully, but thanks for listening. And thanks for um, everyone who returns each week. We really appreciate that. And if you want to just drop us a like or a comment, we would love that. Um, and sharing your stuff. We love to read people who write into us. It's yeah, really- there's ways to get a hold of us in yeah. the description of the podcast. And we love to hear from you. As Tiffany said, if you share it, that really helps others too. And it helps yes. get the word out. And um, the podcast is growing. And we love that because yeah. God's word is being um, lifted higher than yes. what these systems have done. And it's helping others. And we don't have all the answers, but we're going to have the conversation as we work through that. So if you've disagreed with something, we'd love to hear that too. Or if you have some stories, please reach out. We'll be in the same spot next week. So yeah, we don't know what we're talking about (laughs) next week, but it probably won't be about money again. So if you leave that one alone, if you stayed this long, then we, uh, we appreciate it. Yes. We'll see you guys next time on the Grey's Escape podcast and have a wonderful week. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.